how many know we need to be informed about what God is doing? Now, there's a lot of things God don't let us know, but in the Scriptures, God tells us exactly what He's doing with the nation Israel. And so, I, I want you to open up your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter uh, 30. We're going to read verse 3 through 5. And um, if you don't mind, pull me up on the monitors here some, if you would. And um, let's stand for the read of God's Word. How many of you know that Moses was a prophet? Moses was a prophet. And how many know that God knows the end from the beginning? Did you know God has had a plan from the beginning of creation? And Israel is part of that plan of God. And God called out Abraham and brought the first Gentile. Abraham becomes the first Jew. And out of Abraham comes the nation Israel. Now, God had already told um, Abraham that the children of Israel would go into captivity, Egypt captivity, for 400 years. And now they've been brought out of Egyptian captivity, and they're, they've, they've crossed the Red Sea. They're getting ready to go into Canaan land and possess the promised land. But Moses tells them something about our future, Israel's future. Here's what he says in verse 3, that then the, the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassed upon thee and will return and gather thee from all nations, whether the Lord thy God has scattered thee. Notice God says he will scatter them. If any of thine be driven out unto the uttermost parts, the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, multiply thee upon thy fathers. Amos chapter 9, verse 15, the last verse of Amos, says, And I will plant them, speaking of Israel, the Jews, in their land, and they shall no longer be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord. Genesis 17, verse 8, God is speaking to Jacob, the children of Israel, and he says, And I will give unto thee and thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now notice he says the land is an everlasting possession. Now, if it's everlasting, then it can't be taken away. Anything that's everlasting lasts forever. Does that kind of make sense? And not only did they have an everlasting possession, but in verse 7 says they have an everlasting covenant with the Lord. And God gives them a covenant. Now I want you to notice in Jeremiah, it's important that we cover this, Jeremiah chapter 31. And it says in verse um, 35, Thus saith the Lord, which... Give it the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon and the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea from the waves, thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. 
If those ordinances depart from before me, said the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus said the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundation of the earth be searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done. How many know Israel did a lot of bad things? But God said, no, the sun would have to stop shining. The moon would have to stop revolving. And you'd have to know the depths of the sea and the depths of all secrets. And he said, I will not forsake my people. Verse chapter 33, verse 19, and then we're going to go into our table discussion. And the word of the Lord came into Jeremiah. This is chapter 33, verse 19. And, and thus said the Lord, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, that there should not be day nor night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, and he shall not have a son to reign upon his throne with the Levites and the priests and thy ministers. As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sands of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David my servant and the Levites that minister unto me. Notice it's an everlasting covenant. Notice it is given to Israel and it will never be taken away even if they're bad boys. Even if they do wrong, God is faithful. Aren't you glad that even if you do wrong, God is faithful? Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to be talking about what's next for Israel and what's next for the church. I've asked Brother Jimmy to join me on this table discussion. And uh, Jimmy is the pastor of the Galena First Baptist Church. I'm the pastor of the Ozark Full Gospel Church. He's from a different camp. I said he's from a different camp. Are we? Yeah, you really are. But I'm from a different camp. I'm from the camp to handle snakes, they accuse me of. But me and Jimmy, we, we got it made, ain't we? Yes, Amen. sir, we do. You may be seated. Jimmy, have a seat. Say something to him. Well, Get after him. <laughs> uh, we talked about what's next for Israel, what's next for the church. Uh, I was in Genesis. We talked last week about how God made a covenant with Abraham and that it was, he's going to, the whole land, he, he describes out the land to Abraham. And he, he says, wherever you walk, I'm going to give that land to you. And in chapter 17 of Genesis, in verses 1 through 8, I'll just read a couple of verses here because God says, And I will give to thee in verse 8, oh, no, verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting yep. covenant. That's right. An everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And then he repeats himself with a couple of more little uh, caveats. He says, and I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And so this is a, this is a forever thing. The land is an everlasting covenant. Yes. The land from 
Now, now what, uh, what Hamas says, they have a saying over there now when they're, when they're planning to destroy Israel. And when they say, from the sea to the river, well, what they mean is from the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan River, we're going to wipe them out. We're going to kill all the Jews. Yeah. But when God talks to, talks to Abraham, he says, when he says from the sea to the river that it's all going to belong to you, he's talking about from the Mediterranean Sea to the Euphrates River, which runs right through downtown Baghdad. Yep. Amen. And so uh, the land is given to Abraham and his descendants into perpetuity. One more thing about Israel. It's not just the land. It's the kingdom. We, we lose sight of that so often. Yeah. It is the kingdom. Our king is coming. We sing it all the time. The king is coming. The king is coming. Yep. And, uh, and, and we know he's coming back. Every time we say the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy kingdom come. And we're praying for him to come back. God not only made an everlasting covenant of the land to Abraham, he gave an everlasting throne to one of Abraham's descendants, and his name was King David. Right. And in 2 Samuel, so this is going to, who's going to rule the land that belongs That's to right. them? That's right. Amen. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and it, the, the whole passage is, is verses 4 through 16, but I'll just read, read a few of them here. And it came to pass in verse 4 that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? <laughs> you know? And he starts this process, and he tells David, just to, per, just to paraphrase, he tells him, Look, you were a shepherd. And I took you out of the sheep coat, and yeah. I made you the king and the shepherd over my people Israel. And you, you've been faithful. I've appointed a place for my people Israel, and, uh, and, I, and I've appointed judges for them. And after your days are fulfilled, he says this. He said, and when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne forever. And what he's saying is that in David's seed, of course, they build the temple during Solomon's day. But when Jesus returns to establish his kingdom on earth, right now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, in right. his Father's throne. When he comes back, he's going to sit on his own throne, which is the throne of his father, David, in the land of his father, Amen. Abraham. And the law will go forth from Zion. He'll rule with a rod of iron. The Jews have an earthly promise, and the church has a spiritual promise. Amen. Now, we need to understand there's a difference between the church and Israel. Uh, before now, in fact, this is the only time where the church and Israel exist at the same time. Right now, the church and Israel exist at the same time. Now, I realize 37 years after Jesus ascended back to the Father, Israel, Jerusalem was destroyed, and the Jewish people were scattered around the world. But the nation of Israel did not come back together until 1948, thus creating the church and Israel together. 
We have two different promises. The church is not Israel. Israel is not the church. Amen. And the church did not take the place of Israel. God has given Israel a promise. I want to point out some things real quick. And uh, I, I want to say right now, Jimmy, that I am, you know, I'm pro-Israel. But I'm not anti-Palestinian. Amen. I, I am pro uh, the blessing of God. I'd love to see the people of Palestine uh, blessed and encouraged and strengthened. But let's be honest. Let's just be perfectly honest. They've been teaching their children to hate Jews. We're just going to be honest. Uh, Hamas has taught children and conducted not just in Gaza, but in other Arabian nations, Iran, other places like that. They're teaching their children to hate Jews. And one thing as a church, the church needs to stand up because there's so many churches that they've decided they're not going to be Zionists. And you say, what is a Zionist? A Zionist is someone that believes Israel has God's promise. And uh, I, I just want to give you this information that blesses me. God himself is a Zionist. Amen. God himself is a Zionist. Amen. If you've got a problem with that, take it up with him. Joel chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord shall roar out of Zion, utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall, will shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall ye know that I am the Lord, your God, dwelling in Zion. So God is a Zionist. God set up his kingdom there to be on, in Jerusalem. And, I, you know, I'm not for hate. I am not for hate. And, and the problem is um, the world has this anti-Semitism. Uh, even in America, people hate Jews. Before Israel became a nation, before 1948, they still hated Jews. Uh, Hitler hated Jews. They've been persecuted from the Assyrians, Babylonians, Grecian Empire, Roman Empire. The world has hated Jews. Why? Because God chose his son to live inside of a Jew. Amen. And God chose Israel to be that center of the earth in which to bring the salvation of Christ to the world. Yes. Now, once again, I'm not anti-Palestinian, uh, but I am anti-hate. I, I, you know, it's sad we don't teach people to, we don't teach people to hate a different race. Never should we teach someone to hate the Jewish people or anybody else for that matter. Uh, Hamas has got me on the edge. Hello, I hate what they do, but I'd be great. It'd be wonderful if they would save some of them people in Hamas. But they are so brainwashed and demon possessed that they're not listening to God. Let me just share this, and Jimmy, I'll speak up a little bit here in just a minute. The Jewish religion is over 4,000 years old. The Jewish religion is over 4,000 years old. Islam was founded by Muhammad. Muhammad was 40 years old. In the year 610, Islam is 1,382 years old. 
Christianity is over 2,000 years old. So let's don't get this nonsense that Islam was here before Christianity or Islam was here before, before the Jews. That's nonsense. The truth is God chose the nation of Israel and the Jewish religion is 4,000 years old. Christians received Christ 2,000 years ago, a little over, and now we live for God. So King David reigned on the throne of Israel and Solomon 1,500 years before Muhammad created Islam. That's right. Jimmy, what do you think? Well, I think that's absolutely true, of course. Uh, Naturally, I would, Pastor. Well, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> if you wouldn't, I'd yeah, kick you off the right. chair. That's right. Just knock me down. Uh, no, it, it's a, it is a, uh, a conundrum in a way. It, it is a, a, uh, uh, a real puzzler uh, because we see the hatred and, I, and the, the flesh in me wants to cry for blood and fire. And so we just need to wipe these people out, their dogs. And that, that may be what happened, has to be done, because that, that's what happens in war. That's what happens that's right. in war. And they started the war, and, uh, and, and they'll have to be answered. But the shepherd in me, the evangelist in me, is praying for those lost people, yes. because everyone they kill is going into a Christless eternity. And... Uh, uh, we don't want that. And there's uh, a lot of sweet, honest, and, and, and innocent Muslims. There's a lot of sweet, honest, and innocent We want them to come uh, to Christ. I think about it. Uh, I follow a pastor in Hawaii. His name is J.D. Farag. He, not Frog, Farag. Uh, he, I think his father was an Egyptian and his mother was a Palestinian. And he got saved when he was in his 20s. And now he's the pastor of a Calvary chapel in Hawaii. And uh, and he talks about the, the the Muslim resistance to the to the God call of Christ. And uh, again, as James says, we, God has two different plans for two different peoples at this point. There is a plan for Israel. There is a plan for the church. Israel is not the church, as you right. said. And the church is not Israel. The church hasn't superseded or replaced Israel at all. Israel is still Israel. Um, but. Uh, uh, the same is true of, of our of our Jewish friends, uh, although that they are in the right, and although we support them, and although we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, into, as a nation individually, uh, uh, so many of these people are lost because they do not accept Christ as their Savior, and that is the only way anybody can get saved, is to accept the blood of Jesus Christ, that his blood washes away our sins. Uh, put put uh, strictly, succinctly, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, that if, if you know, where it, where it says that Jesus suffered and died for our sins according to the scriptures yeah. and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. See, everybody has to get saved the same way. But the tribulation which will, will come after the rapture, the great tribulation, it will be a time of trial for Israel, what's referred to in the Bible as, uh, as a time of trouble, 
the time of Jacob's trouble, the day of the Lord, as opposed to the day of Christ in the New Testament. The day of Christ in the New Testament usually refers to the rapture and, uh, and not, the, not anything that has to do with the great tribulation. So we don't want to get those confused. But in this dispensation we're in now, or in this era, this age that we're in now, Everybody has to get saved the same right. way. Have you saved. have to come to the old rugged cross. And it's not religion. You know, it, it's, not, uh, it's, not the, <laughs> it's not the old crooked creek. It's the old rugged cross. Right. That's right. That's right. And, and the thing about Jewish hate, and you know, people hate the Jews and uh, anti-Semitism. The, the thing is, they hated the Jews before they became a nation. That is, after they were scattered with uh, Titus the Roman, That's 70 right. A.D. They hated the Jews. They persecuted the Jews. Now the Jews came back to their homeland, Israel, and Israel became a nation in 1948. So now they don't just hate the Jews, they hate their land, they hate their spot, they hate Israel. And the hate will continue. What's next for Israel? More hate. Yes. What's next for Israel? Wars and rumors of war. I don't know what's going to come out of this conflict over there in Gaza today. I do know that it's getting scary. And I do know that in um, uh, Isaiah 17, verse 1, Jeremiah 49, verse 26, 27, there's a place called Damascus, oldest city, ancient city known to us. And just a few days ago, Israel bombed the runways in the airport of Damascus because Russia was smuggling in through Aleppo, Iran was sending weapons to Hezbollah to fight. And Israel went in there and bombed the tarmac, the runway of Damascus. You say, what, what does that spook you? It spooks me because in Isaiah 17, verse 1, Jeremiah 49, verse 26, that Damascus will be literally annihilated. Damascus has never been annihilated. In all these centuries of thousands of years, Damascus has never been destroyed. But don't be surprised if you wake up some morning and it's been blown away. Because the Bible prophesies that it will happen to Damascus. Absolutely. Uh, and, and destroyed totally where it would never be inhabited again. Right. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, that happened. The uh, reading about that, it reminded me uh, over the last couple of days and Josh and, and, uh, and Pastor James and I got together and prayed about some of these things. There was a, there was a verse in Amos that came to me and I, I, I laid around with it for a long time yesterday morning and thought about it. In Amos chapter 1 verses 3 and 5, it says something about Damascus because you know, we talk about, you know, we, like James said, we could wake up any morning and Damascus is gone. And uh, especially if Iran starts trying to fly more supplies in there, or right. maybe soldiers from the Iranian, what the Revolutionary Guard, a very strong standing army. In verse 3 of chapter 1 of Amos, uh, Amos is prophesying, he says, Thus saith the Lord, For three transgressions of Damascus, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. And, 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 and there's a, in prophecy, we have what we call a near fulfillment and then a later fulfillment. Yeah. And it says the one thing that he did was, one thing that he's doing, he says, uh, 
because they have threshed Gilead with threshing instruments of iron. In other words, they brought military equipment into a, and battles, machines of battle into a peaceful situation. And he says, I will send fire in verse four into the house of Haziel. And Haziel was the father of Ben-Hadad, which was, which was one of the great Syrian rulers before the Assyrian empire came down and captured Damascus and they became allied with them and shall devour the palaces of Ben-Hadad. Uh, the reason that I thought about this was that, that there was a, a report uh, in, uh, it was either the Jerusalem News Service or Jerusalem Times, they're both kind of conservative outlets for news in Jerusalem. Uh, the IDF, or actually the Mossad, the intelligence wing of uh, their, their uh, Israel's CIA is, is Mossad, that they believe that, that all of the uranium and nuclear, plutonium and, and all of the nuclear stuff that, that Assad, the king of, the president of Assyria has managed to steal <laughs> throughout the years. You know, remember last year when their whole shipyard and all those warehouses blew up and nobody would admit why they blew up? Yeah. Well, Mossad thinks that, 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 that the king, that the, not the king, but, but President Assad, that he's got all this nuclear material somehow encased in bunkers under the palace where nobody can get to him. And I tell you what, if, if, if anything happened that would make the place desolate, if, if Israel knows about that, that would be the place to yeah. strike. Then the third thing, he says, I will break the bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitant from Haven. And uh, from the plain of Haven, and and this the var would be their reach, where where they would have power, where they would have influence. It would cut all that back, and then it says, and him that hold uh, the hold the scepter from the house of Eden, the people of Syria should go into captivity under curse, saith the Lord. Uh, as far as we know, this has never happened yet. And what would happen is, is, that, uh, is that the remains of those people that after this destruction, they would, they would go off and, and, and into captivity with some one of these northern powers and maybe be, maybe be slave soldiers or conscript soldiers. Uh, these were the very things in detail of what the complete desolation of Syria might be if Damascus was destroyed. And this was another prophet writing, uh, actually before Isaiah wrote, by, by some 20 or 30 years, he was in the generation before Isaiah, and he preached mainly to the northern kingdom instead of the palace yeah. at Jerusalem. And don't be thrown by Ben-Hadad, that doesn't mean just an individual, it also means the leadership. And so what do you think God thinks of them shipping weapons in there to bomb Israel? into Damascus, so you know, uh, um, you know, let, let's just stop, we're, we're looking at what could happen. Now, I'm telling you, we could be in World War III, we may already be in it, but we yes. could be, this thing could escalate to atomic warfare, to, you know, nuclear war, and it just depends on what happens, uh, you know, what the events take place, but let's say Israel, goes in, takes out Hamas, which I believe they can and will, 
let's say they get it done, they go back to their nation. I believe that the big problem right here, now don't misunderstand me, the biggest problem is nuclear war. That is the biggest problem. But let's take that out of the equation. The biggest problem is the hate of the Jews. That's the biggest problem, the hate of the Jews. And so what you're going to have is if they do, and, I, and I'm praying that they'll, you know, Israel needs to be delivered from Hamas. Palestine needs to be delivered from Hamas. The world needs to be exterminated. You know, Hamas needs to be exterminated from the world. But let's say that's all done. I believe the, the hatred of the Jews is going to fuel and drive more Jewish people back to their homeland. If the Great Tribulation doesn't start in this conflict, in Psalm 83 war, in um, the Russia, um, 38 and 39, Battle of um, Armageddon, and all that accumulates, what Israel has to look forward to is this. Because they said concerning Jesus Christ, let his blood be upon us and our children. Crucify him. Because they rejected Jesus Christ. Israel has suffered immensely untold hatred of the world. And I believe that what will happen is it will escalate. More Jews will return back to their homeland. All preparing for the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And whether it, it could start now. Uh, the church could be taken out this very moment. But let's remember that the church does not have to be taken off the planet in order for the great tribulation to begin. Let me throw a monkey wrench into your thinking. If the rapture took place today, which it could have took place in Paul's day, you know, you, you think, well, the rapture's got to be near because of all this and this and this. No, the rapture has been near since the beginning of time. The Bible says that we're at the last days when Jesus died and rose again and went back to the Father. The rapture could have took place in Paul's day. So there is no signs to the rapture. And he expected it to. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and the signs point to the coming of Jesus in Revelation. When he comes in Revelation chapter 19, the signs are about the revelation, his second coming to Israel, not to the church. Right. And we need to understand that that's, that's very important that we understand that there are no signs. There are, there's nothing that has to be fulfilled before the rapture takes place. It could have happened last week. It could have happened 10 years ago. It could have happened before you were born because God has always had in the wings an antichrist. God has always had in the wings. Uh, let me put it like this. God has always had a man of sin. Uh, 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 and when I say God, I realize the devil is the one trying to do all this, but God lets him do it. Uh, the devil has always had in the wings. Uh, in Paul's day, it was a Nero. In the early church, it was Roman emperors. In my father's day, it was Hitler. The devil doesn't know the day or the hour when the Son of Man's coming. He doesn't know. He's not that smart. In fact, the devil is a fallen angel. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, and Mark 13, verse 32, that no man knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Not the angels, not even the Son, only the Father. 
So when Jesus Christ comes, the devil doesn't know when that's going to happen. He knows it's going to happen, but he doesn't know. So he's got everybody ready. He's always got someone in the wings so that if the church were to be taken away or the, this thing was to escalate, the devil would have the man of sin there to bring on the scene to deceive the nations of the world. So Yes, and uh, back in the 70s, uh, Phyllis Schlafly wrote a book that proved that Henry Kissinger is the Antichrist. So sometimes looking to see who the Antichrist... I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'm looking for him in, in the clouds and saying, come up hither. It's time to go. Amen. He's going to toot and we're going to scoot. Woo! We're going to toot we're going to scoot. That's right. Henry that's... Kissinger's too old to be an Antichrist. <laughs> Uh, James, Man, may he I He was add, old when I was young. That's right. Yeah, but, but he seemed to always have uh, be escorted by very uh, attractive women. Did you ever notice that? Did it? Really? Yeah, it's really true. Uh, uh, Didn't know that. The, James was talking sure about... talking about Hugh Hefner? <laughs> okay. Well, him too. But right. the uh, uh, James was talking about how this war could start any time. And no matter how well you plan, there are always stupid people. There are always loose cannons. And this happened, I remember reading this this afternoon when I got home, and then I forgot about it until now. Uh, Prime Minister Be uh, Begin, that shows you how old I am. Menachem Begin's been dead for 20 years. But Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu of Israel, uh, he had to fire one of his ministers today because... In an interview, and this guy wasn't real high up, you know, in the United States, you might say he was the Secretary of the Interior or something, you know, not, not on the top line of the cabinet, but he was the, he was the heritage minister. And he says here that uh, Israel's heritage minister, Micah Elihu, was suspended indefinitely after he said in an interview that dropping a nuclear bomb on the Gaza Strip was one of the possibilities that the government was considering. Almost immediately he got fired and Netanyahu came out and said, Elihu's statements are not based in reality. And then he turned around and went back inside. So, you know, wars can happen by accident and they have happened by accident. It's a fearful time. It could become a big deal. It is. It's a fearful time. Yes. It really is. Now, a lot of preachers are preaching this is World War III, this is the end, the church is going to be raptured any minute. Trust me, there is no signs to the rapture. We could have been taken out of here 20 years ago. That's right. We've been taken out of here 100 years ago. There is no signs to the rapture. Nothing has to happen. That's right. So Israel has... This in our, in our future, wars and rumors of war. Looks like more wars than rumors. And Israel will continue to escalate in turmoil and Jewish hatred until the man of sin shows up to deceive Israel and declare that he is their Messiah. And when he shows up to deceive Israel as a Messiah, he'll make a covenant with Israel for one week, the 70th week of Daniel. And when he makes that covenant, then is when the great tribulation begins to snowball and begins to proceed. It's not at the rapture. It's not at any certain sign. It's when the covenant's made, then the week begins. The clocking 
ticking clock begins with the nation of Israel, with God concerning Israel. So uh, Israel has this to look forward to, wars and rumors of war, pestilence, earthquakes, all kinds of bad things. He said, well, I think in Matthew 24, that's about the church. Matthew 24 isn't even about the church. No. It's about the revelation of Jesus Christ, the coming for the nation of Israel. The church is mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and, and alludes to it where there'll be two in the field, one taken, one left. Two women grind the meal, one taken, one left. But that has a twofold prophecy application. Yes. In the, in the rapture, uh, it, it's easy to keep this in your mind. Let me just, just read you the passage that describes the rapture. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse thir uh, 13. Uh, but we would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus shall uh, will God bring with him. And for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which remain and which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to beat the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Uh, the first thing we got to see when Jesus comes at the rapture to call the church home, he's coming for his bride. John chapter, chapter 14, Jesus said, she said, let not your heart be troubled. And said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will return again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. He's coming back for us. And, and when he does, he comes in the clouds. He comes in the air. We meet him in the air. He never touches earth. In the, in, the, in the rapture, he comes for us. In chapter 19 of Revelation, he will come with us. And he won't stay in the clouds. He will come to the earth. Zechariah chapter 13, 14. And that day his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. And so there are great differences between the second coming and the rapture. The great tribulation happens in between there. And as James mentioned the beginning of the great tribulation won't happen until this covenant is confirmed, this, this contract, this treaty is confirmed between the Antichrist and Israel. Another thing we've got to point out tonight is it's very, you know, we think about World War I, World War II, the escalation in World War II with Hitler and so many Jews being killed. Uh, the church world thought this is it, we're going. That, that was the church world. But where the church missed it in that time was there was no temple, there was no antichrist. They were just killing Jews. And so the escalation is um, the fig tree, despite what you think, the fig tree is not a symbol of Israel becoming a nation. The olive tree is the tree of Israel, not the fig tree. The fig tree is the ministry of the Jews, the Levites, the priests, as they begin to give their sacrifices, that's the budding of the fig tree. But uh, the olive tree is the tree of Israel. 
And we've been grafted into that olive tree according to Romans chapter 11. So uh, I, I want to blow you out of the water. Here we go. You ready to be blown out of the water? I'm ready. Can you swim? I'm counting on Josh. <laughs> if, the, if the rapture, or I'm going to call it evacuation of the church, if the evacuation of the church were to take place to now, right now, that doesn't mean the great tribulation begins now. It could be another 40, 50, 60 years. So when you get the attitude where the temple's got to be rebuilt, or the attitude where they got to start offering sacrifice, that's signs to the rapture. There is no signs of the rapture. The church could be taken up in Paul's day, taken up in my father's day, taken up in our day, and it could be many years later. You say, you got Bible to prove that. Well, look at Titus, the Roman that destroyed Jerusalem, scattered the Jewish people all over the world. That was 37 years after Jesus went back to heaven. 37 years later, yeah. it came to pass. So we need to understand that when the rapture takes place, it doesn't necessarily trigger this nuclear blast. And I want to say right now, there could be a nuclear blast before the rapture. There could be a massive World War III before the rapture because there are no signs to the rapture. But we have to remember when God rolls up his sleeves to judge the world, he will evacuate the church. Before the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth, he will evacuate the church. What's the first thing that happens when a country uh, has hostilities with another country and thinks that there may be war at any time. You recall your ambassador. You recall your diplomats. You right. say for all all Americans to get out. That's what that's what uh, Secretary Blinken had been saying for weeks. Everybody get out of Israel, you know. And uh, and 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 so uh, the first thing you do is call the ambassadors home in chapter five of Second Corinthians explains that we are ambassadors of Christ. Remember our master, our king. Uh, he was a young ruler, a lord, and he went away into a far country to receive a kingdom for himself. And he left his servants and he said, occupy until I come. And that's us. But there was a bunch of them who said, we will not have this man to rule over yeah. us. But the servants went ahead and did the work anyway. And then God, uh, the, the ruler, when he comes back as kings, he dealt with those servants who would not have him rule over them. And he also rewarded the faithful servants. I, I felt a little kickback when I talked about the, uh, Israel, the, the tree, the fig tree is not a symbol of Israel. It is a symbol of the people. It's a symbol of the ministry. But the nation's tree is the olive tree. We've been grafted into the olive tree. So when you see the fig tree starting to bud, that is the priests and the Levites getting their offerings to, together, beginning to minister in the temple again. Then that generation shall not pass until you see Jesus come, not in rapture, but come in Revelation in Matthew chapter 24. So, you, you know, we're going to bust some myths right here, and then we're going to, uh, we're going to call it quits tonight. I wrote this down. Uh, when Jesus comes and evacuates the church. Now, I want to say he came the first time. What did he do when he came the first time? Jesus came the first time to give. 
He came to give us eternal life. He came to give us forgiveness of sin. When Jesus came the first time, he came as a gift of God the Father to us. When Jesus comes to, for, this, for his church, he comes to receive. That I mean, go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So the rapture is when he receives his church. But when he comes back in Revelation chapter 19, the revelation of Jesus Christ, he comes to take charge. Yeah. Revelation chapter 19, coming with his vesture dipped in blood. And that's not his blood, that's the blood of the enemies. Yeah. Jesus will come as King of kings and Lord of lords. What do you think about that? That's pretty. I think that's great. In, 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 uh, in Isaiah, it says that, uh, that he's coming out of Basra. It's a... That's uh, very near the place where Petra is. It's in the old area of Idumea, and uh, modern-day Jordan is, is actually who has control over it. But in uh, Isaiah 63, Isaiah makes a prophecy, and, uh, and it, it has to do with the aftermath of the Battle of Armageddon. And, and the question Isaiah asks, who is this that in his vision? He said, who is this? that cometh from Edom. Remember, Edom was Esau. Yeah. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel and traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thine garments like him that treadeth the wine fat? He's covered in blood from the slaughter of the armies of the Antichrist. The Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon. And that's talked about in, in Zechariah 14, verse 4, and Zechariah 12, verse 10. Zechariah 12, that whole chapter says, in that day, yeah. in that day, in that, in that day. day, in, in that, that day, day, in that day. It's just permeated within that day. And so when Jesus Christ comes, they'll see his pierced hands, Israel will, They'll see his wounded side. That's right. They'll believe, and Israel will be born as a nation. But he'll come and conquer the enemies that are coming against Israel. And they'll see his bloody garments from fighting the battle for them. And it's a time of Jacob's trouble, not the time of church trouble. Uh, They're different. Uh, just one more thing. He says that I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. I thought this for myself. Remember in Revelation, you know, we're going to be in that army. Oh, I'm going to be in that number. Yeah, we're going to be there. All the saints will be riding behind him on white horses. We'll be clothed in white linen, for white linen is the garments of the saints. But the way that war is fought and won, he says that Jesus... The son, the man on the horse, king of kings and lord of lords, he destroys them with a sword that proceedeth out of his mouth. Well, what sword proceeds out of his mouth? The word of God. Uh, uh, he spoke and it was created and he's going to speak one day and a lot of it's going to be uncreated at the same time. But he says, he says, I fought for you. He says, I tread them in my anger and trampled them, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my garments, for that, that day of vengeance is in my hand. And look at this. The year of my redeemed is come. Amen. And Amen. I want to be behind him on a horse. I don't want to be behind him. I want to be behind him. Amen. But... 
You know, the, the rapture of the church, a lot of people say, well, the evacuation of the church is the second coming. It's not. It's our going to Jesus. Now, we can call it a second coming, but we're going to go to be with Jesus. He's going to go to the clouds. We're going to be called up to meet him in the air. Jesus doesn't come to the earth. Now, there are people that believe the rapture will take place at the end of the great tribulation. I call that the elevator theory. You go up and come right back down. <laughs> we're going to go up and we're going to be married. And then we're going to coming back on a thousand year honeymoon, a time in which we'll have that great marriage supper of the Lamb on earth. The marriage will be in heaven, but the marriage supper of the Lamb will be on earth during that thousand year reign. You mentioned one thing that's, that, that's on my mind this week. I used to have a very good friend, pastor, and he, he always preached, he, and, and I studied, and I thought of it, that it's true. He said that, that Paul only talked about two days, today and that day. Yep. He's okay. always talking about that day. And I'm convinced that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Behold, there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me against that day. Always that day. It, there was now, today. There was what's going on right now today, and then there was that day. He was always looking at that day. Are you looking at that day? We got to be looking at that day when he will come. And and and, and like John chapter uh, second, First uh, John chapter two, where it says that uh, it says, "Little children abide in him, that we may not be ashamed at his and, coming." And then you got people believe the church has got to go through all this stuff to make us holy. No. Well, if that were true, we'd been taken out when they were eaten by animals in the Colosseums of Rome. The I church, got it. churches went through great tribulation for centuries. And we need to understand that. So when Jesus Christ returns, he doesn't come to the earth. He calls us up to be with him. The church goes up. And then he stays with us there. So shall we ever be with the Lord. When he returns seven years later, at the end of Daniel's 70th week, he'll come as, as um, uh, um, Jimmy. Jimmy. James. James <laughs> Harris. He comes as James, comes as James Harris. He, he, Jimmy, leave me alone. <laughs> we'll be coming back with Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the great tribulation period. We're going to see uh, Jesus put down... Uh, Josh brought out a good scripture, and I want to share this before we wrap up our service tonight. What's next for the church? Titus 2.13, Josh brought this up. Amen. Looking for the blessed hope. That's the evacuation of the church. Looking for the blessed hope. That is us being caught up to meet Jesus in the air. And the glorious, glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ that is the revelation of Christ. That's the great tribulation when he comes to earth. Looking for that blessed hope, church going to be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. And the glorious appearing of our great God, that's when he comes to earth and redeems Israel and sets up a thousand year reign. And Joel chapter 3 describes it also. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And that's what Billy Graham named his program after that verse. He called it the hour of decision. And it always is, but uh, uh, this, this deal about that verse in Titus, uh, you were talking about this, it has a, a double meaning. It's like the, 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 the blessed hope is that day, yep. the rapture. The glorious appearing 
is the day of the Lord. Right. And you might say that, that, uh, that the, the blessed hope is the day of Christ, when Christ appears in the clouds to receive us unto himself and take us home. And, uh, and, and the day of the Lord would be the glorious appearing when he comes. Because the, the book of Revelation is called the revelation. It means the revealing, the explaining, pulling up the curtain and letting us see the unveiling of Jesus. Not the hiding of Jesus or, or, or anything. No, he's revealed here. And, and, and at, that day, at that time on the day of the Lord, he'll be revealed to the entire world uh, which at that point will be mostly unbelievers. Well, you know, a lot of people try to say, okay, where's the rapture in the, in the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation isn't about the catching away of the church. The church is mentioned in chapter 2 and 3, and then he gives the introduction in chapter 1. The church is gone in chapter 4 and 5 with the Lord, but the revelation, the whole book of Revelation is about the wrath of God, the judgment against the nations, the judgment against the world. And, and he even gives it very clear in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, Behold, he cometh with the clouds. Every eye shall see him. They that look upon him, you know, they pierced him, they, and they rejected him. And so when Jesus Christ comes, and let me say this, we're going to run out of time. We're out of time. But, uh, How many questions are we going to take? We're going to take some questions. <laughs> but you, you've heard people say, well, you know. I don't but, have anywhere else to be. Would you let me talk about it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have people say, well, the rapture is going to be silent. No one's going to know what's happened. Oh, yes, they will. It's going to be noisy. Everybody's going to know when the catching away of the church takes place. It's going to be noisy. It's not going to be secret. We're going up, and the whole world will know it. It's not going to be something where God slips in and takes us and takes off. Well, you say, well, that, what does it mean about, you know, he'll come in the, in the, in the night. It's a thief in the night. Well, it doesn't mean that uh, he's going to send a letter ahead, and I'm going to rob you tomorrow. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't mean that he's going to say, I'll show up and ring the doorbell. It means that I'll come suddenly, like a thief, suddenly, and it'll be too late to do anything about your possessions. All right, we're going to open up for question, answer. <laughs> Are we? Of course, you're the pastor. I'm just a, I'm just a visitor. You're a visitor? I'm the fiddle player. You're not a visitor. I, I'm the, the visitor who came to dinner and stayed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, we'll, we'll, feed, we'll feed you, Jimmy. All right, we're going to have, if you have a question, this will be a good time to ask it. We're going to wrap it up in about five minutes and we'll be done. If you have a question, raise your hand. Josh will bring the mic to you and you can ask the question. Uh, if you have a question about the catching away of the church or a question about the great tribulation or so forth, just raise your hand. He'll bring the mic to you. Come on. I know Anybody? there's questions. The lady in the riding habit. <laughs> okay, I actually have two. Okay. The, the first one. 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> what exactly are the Jews looking for to say, oh, okay, you are the Messiah we've been waiting for? Um, they're looking for Shiloh they, to bring peace to them. I mean, like, okay, they're just looking they're for They're wanting their Messiah. They want a Messiah to bring peace to them and set up the kingdom and... Because they rejected Christ. Okay, so no other boom signs. Okay, the next one is 
the, the seals that are broken. Do those happen after the church has been evacuated? Yes. Okay, that's what I want to say. You have the broken seal, then you have the, the um, trumpets, and then you have the vials. Then you have the three woes. And that is kind of, they, they follow each other. One woe is passed. Yes. In your opinion, uh, is the Antichrist here on earth um, at this time? Well, I'll go first. Let me qualify that. If the rapture is coming soon, and I think it is, I think he is alive and in position. James mentioned a while ago that in every generation, the devil has somebody ready to go because the devil doesn't know the time or the day or the hour, so he's got to be ready. So if the rapture is as close as I believe it is, and I can't prove it one way or another except for the way things look and the way my gut feels, I would say that the Antichrist is alive and on the earth now. Well, he's closer to coming than he was in Paul's day. Well, that's true. <laughs> Anybody else? Question? I don't have a question. I have a comment. Okay. Uh, it said maybe a question there, but would you refer to the body of Christ or the church? We're separate from Israel. We are. Well, it would be possible for an Israelite to become part of the church. Sure. It would be impossible for a born again believer to be part of Israel. I agree. That's right. I, I just want to make that and you know what you just said actually is, is a very common sense way to talk to this about to covenant theologians and replacement theologians who believe that the church has placed Israel. And I say, okay, we all know how an Israel, Israeli now, as they're called, could become a Jew, could become a Christian. We all know how you do that. They accept Jesus Christ. A Mar is running all over the world. Major Mar is a great evangelist. He is a, a Messianic Jew. It, which means a Jew who accepts Jesus as his Messiah. He got saved the same way we did. He, he preaches out of a Bible re, written in Hebrew that he reads from right to left because that's how their language goes. So it looks funny. It looks like he's reading the wrong page when he's preaching from the pulpit. So we know how a Jew becomes a Christian. Well, how does a born... That would be the question to ask the doubter. So you can... I know how a Jew becomes a Christian, but how does a Christian become a Jew? A spiritual Jew, maybe, but not a religious Jew because you have the Savior. And what's more important, after you're saved, the Savior's got you. <laughs> and in the book of Revelation, it's, he, he kills the 12 tribes of Israel. Each tribe, he gives the name of the tribe, 12 tribes of Israel. It doesn't say the 12 tribes of the Baptists and 12 tribes of the Methodists. Twelve tribes of the assemblies of God. It just says twelve. Yeah. Twelve tribes of Asher, Dan, so forth. Might, well, Dan's left out, but you don't want to talk. About might it. I add real quick? We have another question back here. Might I add real quick on that? What what James said that uh, uh, that all of those Jews they are at any time candidates to be brought to Christ. Yes, they are. And 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 it's a, but but once that you're washed in the blood and you belong to Christ, how do you unbelong to Him? When the Lord comes, you're going up. Whether exactly. You like it or not. And and James James and I, what we'll do is for anybody who doesn't believe in the rapture, we'll just explain it to you on the way up. 
And we can talk fast. <laughs> Anybody else? Question? Yes. Uh, there's a teaching going around which is very popular. And it's catching on fire just about everywhere. That we are in the second seal or we're in the third seal or that Fauci is the Antichrist or Gates is the Antichrist or can we correct those people from the, from the pulpit here that we're not in the seal? We're not well, in a seal. We're not in the tribulation right now. We're not in a seal. Um, uh, the, the American church, I would say, is, is so spoiled, just like, you know, we want what we want, and we want it right now. And, uh, and we're used to having it easy. Uh, but, you know, the church in Iran where you get your, you get your head cut off if you get saved, uh, you know, they're a strong church there, and they believe that Jesus is coming soon. It, it, it's easy for us to believe a lot of nonsense. Uh, well, and we think if somebody laughs at us or makes fun of us, is that, that that's uh, somehow persecution. But they're, they're, at least they're not, they're not cutting our heads well, off Well, when yet. you put yourself in the trumpet judgments, what are you going to do with the 150-pound hailstones coming out of the sky? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it ain't that bad, guys. When the Lord comes in his great and dreadful day of the Lord, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Extremely bad. Millions of people are going to die. Millions. Millions. In the first breaking of the seals. And it's going to be able to, the uh, first horseman, is, which is the first seal, that's going to take away peace from the earth. Yeah. And then, no, and, 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 and there's, going to be, there's going to be conquering and war and famine and death. You know, and, 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 and so those things are not happening yet. And the day when a third of the life in the sea dies in one day, That's uh, that, hadn't, that ain't happening now. It's not happening. And then again, you look at Revelation. It's not about the rapture, but you can see it there. It was a hidden mystery. It's there. But you've got it. And people are trying to find it in the third seal, or they say the raptures when the two witnesses are taken back up into heaven. All that, you know, the, the revelation is divided up in three. The introduction, chapter one, the church age, chapter two and chapter three, the catching away of the church, chapter four, I heard a voice in heaven saying, come up hither, caught in the spirit, John into the throne, and there the church is with the four and 20 elders is the church. They're there in chapter four and five. Then the breaking of the seal down on earth, the Antichrist coming out, dealing with Israel. It's pretty simple, and you don't see the church mentioned again mm -hmm. until the church is coming back with Jesus in Revelation 19. <laughs> Any other questions? Just the, the, the question, the, the things you were saying about the different judgments, those are usually promoted by people who believe in something called pre-wrath. They, they believe in the rapture, but what they believe is we're going to go through part of the tribulation, the church is, and they're not, we're not going to go out until the vile judgments start, and they call it pre-wrath. But I'm telling you, the wrath is going to start. That's why God is, is bringing us back. Because in First Timothy, he was, we have obtained mercy, and Jesus Christ hath delivered us from the wrath to come. And God's not going to take us out of the conflict like Joe Biden. He's going to take us out long before. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> 
Well, for a minute. You, you can't I, believe I said that. No, you? just for a minute, I had to think. I didn't know it was a joke. Well, no, I, it ain't a joke. I, I was sitting here. Did he go somewhere? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. I want everybody to get saved. That, that's how gullible I am. I don't believe everybody will get saved. The Bible tells me that not everybody will get saved. But I want everybody to come to Jesus Christ. Let, let me let me wet, wet your whistle. Susie's got a question back there. Go ahead and take your mic. You got a question? No, you're praising the Lord. Okay. Let me let me uh, wet your thinking a little bit. The rapture is not about the Old Testament saints. That's right. It's only for the church. When James. Jesus Christ comes, he doesn't come to raise the Old Testament saints from the grave. The rapture is strictly for the church. And the people who miss the rapture are not part of the church. They lose their reward. They, you know, If they don't come to Christ, then they're, they're not part of the church. They're tribulation saints. They'll be born during the Great Tribulation. So the church is not, the rapture is solely, completely, only for the church. Because Jesus is coming to get his bride. Amen. And we're going to get married. He's coming back. You say, what about the Old Testament saints? When he returns in the battle of Armageddon, he sets up his kingdom on earth. The Old Testament saints will be given Raised their body. Then. They'll be resurrected. And they will have Bef their earthly inheritance. And we will be in the kingdom life. with him. We'll be in the millennial kingdom with him. Sure. But what's going to happen when Jesus, I believe about the time that Jesus' feet stands on the Mount of Olives, that old Abraham is going to roll over and slap Sarah on the hip and say, come on, old gal, it's time to go. <laughs> We're getting out of here. <laughs> and, I'm gonna, and, and when I get down there in the millennium, I believe them Jewish people are going to be envious of our bodies. They will. I mean, I'm going to make King David just look pitiful in my, in my glorified body. <laughs> Solomon ain't got a chance if he makes it, but he ain't got a chance. The Queen of Sheba won't be able to tell you apart. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder when we get to heaven if everybody will be short or tall. I've always hoped that in my glorified body that I would be taller. Jimmy. Is everybody going to be short or tall? I don't know, but I want to be taller than I am in the resurrection. Is everybody going to be bald or have hair on their head? Well, I have hair. You will have hair? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is sliding downhill quickly. Do we have another yeah. question? <laughs> question? we got to quit. Over here. Do you want to do this again next Sunday night? Yeah. I'm game. Do we need to do it again? My confusion, or like my, my question is, when we were talking about the covenant, the everlasting covenant in Genesis, um, like I guess I'm not understanding like what, like if the Jews right now, um, like for a majority aren't saved, like what, like what is the covenant that is being held? Like if they're not, if they die right now, they don't go to heaven. Like what is that covenant? Like what's the point of the covenant? Well, I'll let James deal that because he started out with that topic. But I would just say that it is like owning title deed to the land that you own, to your house, to your farm. That uh, that's yours and nobody can take it away from you. And the promise is to Abraham and his descendants. 
So you don't lose it because you were a bad person. You keep it because God is a promise keeper. God promised it, he'll do what he said. Even if we disobey, God will do what he said. And God said that David would reign on the throne forever. And God said that Abraham's land would be there as an everlasting covenant. Um, where, what chapter is it when uh, God put Abraham to sleep? That was 15, chapter 15 of Genesis. God put Abraham to sleep and made a covenant with him while he was sleeping. Because I guess he wanted Abraham to, you know, not know what's going on. So the covenant is with the Jews and their land, not necessarily. Yeah, not every individual. Right now they have an opportunity to be saved like we do. Yes. That's why they call it the Abrahamic covenant. It's a covenant that God made with Abraham that promised his descendants the land. Yeah. And then the, the Davidic covenant that we talked about is God promised King David the throne. And, and Jesus is a descendant of David. And that's why there's such a fuss about the land. Yeah. Everything's fussing about the land because God promised them the land. So, you know, that's pretty cool. And, you know, if you can't, Jimmy brought it out, if you can't trust a God that don't keep his promises, how can we trust God? And he keeps his promises. And, all and the patch of land is much bigger than what they have today. Oh, yeah. 300,000 square miles. Yeah, if you look it up, it's going to be much bigger. That'll be in the millennium time. When it goes from it. northern Egypt almost north to, to, to uh, almost to Turkey. And it goes from the Mediterranean Sea all the way across Syria, across Transjordan, what is called Jordan now, into Iraq. And uh, it goes all the way to the Euphrates River. And, and so that, that was the land that God promised to Abraham. They've never had that yet. They have never had that. Even, well, even it, Solomon will have that. in the United Kingdom, they did not have conquered all da that. David and Solomon had maybe 9,000 square miles. Now I think they've got like four or 5,000 square miles, and that's it. Israel does. So, you know, God promised them that land. And, of course, all the other land God promised to Ishmael and his descendants, the Arabians. Make sense? It's all about fighting, feuding, few hatred. I don't know about you, but I love a Jew a whole lot. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm in love with him. He's my savior. And I love the Jewish people. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm just saying that God used Israel as that peace to bring Jesus into the world. And he's going to finish it by using Israel to bring in the kingdom. Yes. That's so good. Amen. I just, just real quickly, you asked about the land and why it's important. There's a verse that I can't remember right now, but, but uh, I, think it's in, I think it's in Isaiah where, where God gets mad uh, at anybody who tries to divide the land. And tries to separate Ezekiel thirty six. Ezekiel thirty six, that uh, he would he would curse those who divide the Jealous land. Jealous of the land. In two thousand and five, uh, President Bush the younger made a deal between uh, President Abbas of the uh, the Palestinian Authority and uh, and Hamas, which couldn't get along with the Palestinian Authority, that they would give them the Gaza Strip in 2005 and they made a deal and 
it was a further dividing of the land. Uh, the government made the settlers in Gaza, the Israeli settlers made them pull out. The settlers who didn't want to leave, the IDF went in them, made them go, threw their stuff in a truck and hauled them back across the line into Israel. And they now live in Ashdod and Ashkelon and those southern places who actually used to be a part of Philistia, but they're, they're part of Israel now. And what happened after all that took place, when he drug the people out of the land, when they gave away yet another piece of land? Uh, I think it was either one or two days later, Hurricane Katrina slammed into New Orleans. And it, yeah. was, uh, it was Bush the Younger that put that deal together. And God says that, uh, woe unto those who divide the land. Now, am I saying that God sent Katrina because Bush divided the land? I don't have enough information to say that. All I'm saying is that one event followed on the tail of the other, and I remember the verse. Yeah. That's how serious the covenant of the land is with the Lord. And I, I think what's happening now is going to escalate. All eyes is on Israel from 1948 when it became a nation. And all eyes on Israel will be from here on now. I believe what's happening now is going to force the Antichrist to be revealed. It's going to force it. And I don't, you have the myth that the church has got to reveal him. Shoot, they can't figure out when they're getting a prophecy and when they're not. They'll be able to reveal the Antichrist. Amen? I like that, but I don't want to say anything that would be so stupid that, uh, that people would think it was being cruel. I agree with you. We have, we have a lot of people that are giving prophecies when they should be down on their knees learning how to trust and obey. Yeah. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And I've learned the hard way that until you know obedience, you don't really trust him. Right. He proves our trust in him by our obedience. We got to quit, Jimmy. Okay. We got to quit. Okay. We'll, we'll have a cup of coffee, and then the next session will start at 7.50. Well, no, no, we won't. We're done. We're done. Next Sunday night, next we'll Sunday do it night. again. And we'll probably deal more with the Antichrist and the, and the Great Tribulation, that stuff. Start at four. I'm not against starting earlier. I just want to know if, 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 if there will be refreshments. No, oh, we got refreshments. We got refreshments. Yeah, we're good. We're good. I'm sorry, James. If we start at four, we can go longer. Yeah, the older I, I'm ready. I think I can get to where I am from where I am in the morning to here by the end. All right. Did you learn anything tonight? Anybody learn anything? Yeah, praise the Lord. God bless and you. And next Sunday, we're going to deal with the Antichrist sitting in the temple of God, declaring that he's God. We'll be talking about the Daniel 70th week. And the man we'll of sin. About, huh? And the man of sin. The man of sin. We'll be talking about all that. And we will conclude that Henry Kissinger is not the one. <laughs> he's old, but he's not it. That's it. Amen. Amen. And Henry Kissinger, Jew. Yes, as a matter of fact, he is. Yeah. 
I don't think he is an Orthodox Jew or a practicing Jew, but he is a Jew. But, you know, when people tell me they're practicing their religion, I always say, well, you know, I don't need to practice. I, I already know how. <clears throat> we got to quit. <laughs> we got to quit. Jimmy, God bless you, buddy. I love you. Did a good job. And man, let's Thank all you. stand. We'll pick it up next week. And, and I want us to pray a special prayer for uh, Brother Bobby Baldridge, the Lord, to touch him and heal him and, and um, ask the Lord's blessing on him. And we're glad you came tonight. We covered a lot of ground. Normally, we don't last this long on Sunday night, but I couldn't get Jimmy to quit talking. Jimmy does a great job. Amen. I appreciate him. Jimmy's a good brother. I love him. He's an awesome man. And uh, I feel shorter than him when I'm around him. Because he is a very powerful man of God. And I appreciate everything he does and what a blessing he is. Amen.